We often make plans and they fall through. You can make goals all day long, but will you achieve them or is it all based on luck? If you don't achieve it, was it because you didn't work hard enough and luck has nothing to do with it? Maybe it's a combination of the two. Hell, maybe you just have to follow your gut and see how it shakes out. This is the Myard is Real podcast, episode 23, Kadima, right after the break. This episode is sponsored by our Patreon page. This podcast takes a ton of work for me to create, so if it has inspired you at all, please consider signing up to our Patreon page today for only $3 a month. We released the very first bonus episode exclusively for Patreon last week and have the next one in the works. So go over to patreon.com forward slash real if you want to support the show while also getting bonus content. Your contribution will help us continue to tell these meaningful stories. Thank you. Let me introduce you to Andrew. Uh, my name is Andrew Kadima. I am currently in California, and I am an artist. I'm not totally sure on how Andrew became an artist. Maybe it was a combination of all three, of luck, hard work, and following his gut. How about we just find out together? Uh, where did you grow up? Did you grow up in California? Uh, so I was born in North Carolina, but I kind of moved every five years when I was young, so I really don't have like a huge attachment to any place. And uh, I guess California is kind of the, the place I've lived the longest, and I guess where my home is, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I kind of... I'm devoid of attachment to, to a place a little bit. The reason they moved so much when he was a kid had to do with his dad's job, which had to do something with software, but he was always kind of mysterious about it. Uh, my dad's job, I think, was the main factor. Dad worked something in software. He was super, super, like, we always joke that he was like a CIA agent because, like, he's very quiet about what he does and, like, it's very difficult to decipher what's going on with his job, but something, something in software. And we just uh, re- relocated, I guess, a few times. I don't know about you, but it sure sounds like his dad was in the CIA. But hey, I don't need anyone busting my door down. So let's just move on. Like most kids that grew up moving from place to place, Andrew struggled a bit to make friends. Probably more so due to the fact that he was more introverted. But starting new schools with people you have no clue who they are doesn't help either. Yeah, it was, it was pretty tough in the beginning. So I moved, actually the move to Austin was probably the most brutal. And uh, I think I was like in the middle of elementary school at that point. So like fourth grade, fifth grade, something like that. And uh, I was so devastated. It was so hard. And I had like zero friends when I moved there. Um, I I remember like, I would like cry in the middle of school all the time. (laughs) And uh, I would have to go to like the, the counselor or whatever, you know. And uh, I remember like, oh man, this is so funny. I would like literally go to the phone. There was like a, a public phone you could use in the, in the school. And I would like call my parents. And be, like, I have to come home. I have to come home. Um, it was just so stressful. Um, from then on, even before then, I was kind of like a lonely, not like a sad lonely, but just I, I never had like really, 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 really close friends. You know, a couple of times I would go over to somebody's house like here maybe. And uh, other than that, it was pretty, pretty much by myself. And, you know, a lot of the interests that I had were kind of lonely interests. I mean, things you could only do by yourself. Music was my big focus when I was young and um, writing music, especially. And that was just something that, like, you know, you can't really 
there's no interacting with people while you're doing that. You know, it's just it's a it's a thing that you do by yourself and an art as well. You know, it's kind of like, you know, these long process things that, you know, nobody's going to sit around and kind of, you know, hang out with you while you're doing them. So Andrew did have one best friend and that was his brother. Yeah, my brother and I were always, you know, pretty close. Um, sometimes that ends with each other, odds with each other, you know, fighting a lot. But uh, at some point, it like just kind of congealed a little bit, and we became like super, super close. So we were always, you know, working, working together and like playing together and stuff. While Andrew and his brother were both very into music growing up, which we're going to touch on a lot in just a moment, he did recall one other creative venture that they would go on together, which sounded like a whole lot of fun. Actually, yeah, there is something I can I can call to. That was uh, a huge influence on both of our <laughs> both of our uh, personalities and our art and everything. And it's so stupid and so embarrassing. I guess like when we were like you know kids, like preteens or whatever. I don't know what the age was, but Mortal Kombat was coming out, right? It was like that. We were so interested in it. It was so cool to us. Probably because we were like such young kids, and it was like this really gory, like extreme thing. And the visuals of it were just so interesting that we became so obsessed with trying to make our own video game. And it was not so much about like the game aspect. It was just like the, the art of it. Yeah, the, the, the visual of it. So this is where, where art kind of really came into our lives too, actually. Where he started like designing characters on paper, like drawing. He did a lot of drawing as a kid. And uh, I would then mold those characters out of clay. And it was so stupid, like really dumb characters. like. But it was such a great, like, creative outlet. And we had this, like, whole world of, like, you know, tons and tons of characters. All these, like, models that we had created. It was so funny. And, like, you know, it's, it's, it's so cool. It's like this, like, private little memory that we both have. Nobody understands, but so funny to us. Like I said, it's not... It's, it lives in such a weird place because there was no thought given to, like, the real artistry of it at all. You know, it's like not... It's not like we were creating pieces of art in our minds, you know. Honestly, that sounds like so much fun to get into as a kid. Makes me wish I could go back to simpler times and just mess around with clay and draw. But instead, I have bills to pay. So, I mean, being that little of a kid and playing Mortal Kombat, your parents weren't very <laughs> strict about anything like that. My parents were like the greatest parents you could have, I think, as a kid because of their like hands-off approach. And it was not like hands-off, like we were ignored or anything like that. But uh they were very, they had a huge, huge leash for us. Um, and I think, you know, for the most part, we both, you know, got in some trouble every once in a while. But, you know, we were both grounded enough and like, uh, not grounded as they were grounding us, but like, uh, you know, confident that we were doing the right thing, that they didn't have to worry so much. He always had supportive parents. So when he got into music, they were always there to help him get to lessons. When I was like four or five, my mom put us in piano, put us both in piano. We were like, you know, we were both like pretty sure that we were going to be musicians when we were young, um, growing up. So I started on piano for a while. I ended up like despising it. I hated it so much, which like everybody I feel like goes through. And, uh, but my mom was like super convinced that we were going to be musicians also. And she was like, you have to be doing something music. Um, so I, I made like a deal. Okay, I'll play violin instead of piano and I played that for for a really long time that was like my main focus and then I'd say like probably I don't know eighth grade something like that I switched to guitar and like that 
from from then on, guitar was like my big, big instrument that I always played. While his mom did want them to do some sort of musical instrument, Andrew says it was never forced. He always loved doing what he did. He also realized at this time that his true passion was in writing music. When you started guitar, what kind of music were you playing then? Uh, I started with like, oh, I was, so my brother was like a huge, my brother's like about two years older than me. He was like such a huge influence on me too. Like everything that he did was like the cool thing to do, you know? So uh, whatever he was into, I kind of followed that a little bit. And at that time he was, he's a drummer. Like that was the instrument that he kind of settled on eventually. And uh, he was into like, you know, metal and like black metal, like super heavy stuff. So I, of course, was like, oh, that's cool. I got to do that stuff, too. And so I was into I was into everything, though, at the time, you know, tons of uh, rock, metal, even jazz. My, my guitar teacher at the time, he was like his main focus was jazz. Um, so he brought a lot of that into me as well. And still, you know, all the classical stuff, I was, I was interested in that. Yeah, so it was, it was a big mishmash. As you can tell, Andrew was always a creative person, but doing more of the musical side of creativity, not really doing the paintings he's known for today. He always knew that music is what he wanted to do, so he chased his dreams of making it a reality. And as soon as he graduated high school, he started applying to as many art schools as he could. Yeah, oh, I was 100% sold I'm going to be a musician. That was it. Like, for, for most of my life, you know, maybe I can think back when I was, like, a little teeny kid and, like, we used to have this big tree in front of our house um, when I lived in Florida. And I remember, like, sitting up on the branches and, you know, you could see, like, the sky through the branches all the leaves and you'd see like the stars and everything and i remember thinking then you know i have like a, a subtle memory of like oh man it'd be so cool to be like an astronaut or like you know the classic kind of kids kind of fantasies about what you want to be like but for the most part for my entire life i can i can pretty solidly say the goal was to be a, a, a musician um and uh yeah like i said we t- I took lessons for my whole life really ramped it up when i was in high school i, I went to the university of texas and took composition lessons there and uh after high school or or i guess during high school i I applied to like every music school you could possibly think of and uh i gave myself no other option you know i just just applied to music schools and when andrew was applying he was not messing around he applied with a ridiculous portfolio which pretty much allowed him to get into any school he wanted and i had a crazy application like an insane application i i was such a (laughs) such like a horrible nerd that i was like i wrote like huge like orchestral piece like giant pieces you know and like made this huge audition tape playing like a ton of different piano pieces it was like it was a pretty like impressive application it's so interesting that you know i'd say the majority of people have no idea as they're entering college they have no idea what they what they want to do like declaring a major at the beginning is like very rare i think or, or sticking with a major that you start with is pretty rare and that's always been kind of interesting to me because like it's the total opposite from, from where I was where you know I was just I had no option you know it, I was going to do this thing and, and that's it um, and there it's like so interesting because the academics are so important and you get so stressed out because like you know oh you know your grades have to be a certain way you have to perform a certain way on tests and for me you know the application was literally just oh this is me showcasing exactly what I want to do you know I don't know it's so easy <laughs> so so uh Everless, so uh, uh, stress-free in a way. Uh, but then I ended up going to, uh, you know, I took a tour around all the schools to try and decide which one I wanted to go to. And uh, the Conservatory of Music here in San Francisco, like, gave me the best pitch. And I ended up going here. 
After getting his master's, it was time for him to leave school and get to work. He did what most people do with a master's in arts, and he went into teaching. Uh, so I, you know, I went to the, I got my degrees, graduated bachelor's in music, you know, was doing stuff, writing music for people, doing things. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I graduated and I was like, you know, okay, what am I going to do? <laughs> kind of thing. So I, uh, I, and it was not, you know, it, it was not like I was like totally like blindsided by, you know, having nothing to do or anything like that. Like it was, it was pretty much always a, a foregone conclusion that I was going to continue education. Like, you know, it's kind of the thing that you do in that world. So I went to, I went to re-enrolled re for a master's degree. And then after that, it was like, you know, man, it's crazy. How do you... <laughs> What do you do? You know, and I mean, I had, you know, honestly, comparatively to, to other people, I had pretty good success uh, writing music, having stuff played, doing a lot of teaching. And that's when I sort of really started teaching. And, you know, for any artistic pursuit, any creative pursuit, I think the, the reality is the, the majority of your initial income is always going to be related in some way to teaching. Like, it's just so hard to make a living without that. During those years after college, Andrew picked up the hobby of painting. For him, it was a way to relax and de-stress, because while he loved music, it was his job. And do you know what pulled you to painting? I, I don't know what pulled me to painting exactly, but, uh, you know, it, it was just interesting, fun. It was just one thing, and it could have been anything, honestly, I don't know. Yeah, the, 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 the stress thing and the, the relaxation thing, oh, it is 100% that for me. Like, the most relaxed that I feel, the most uh, comfortable I feel. At any given day is is while I'm painting, I'd say. Um, it's super meditative for me in a way, where like literally eight hours can go by and I don't even realize that it's eight hours, you know? And like I wake, I see, I look up at the window and I see the sun is rising and I have like a heart attack a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's super, super relaxing. It's a great, great uh, de-stressor for me, for sure. But I know that you did some art stuff here and there growing up, but do you remember when you actually started to paint? I don't think I painted at all through college, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. And, you know, uh, like I said, I remember making like maybe a total of 10 paintings or something through my whole life up, up until high school. And all of them were awful, horrible, terrible, bad, disgusting. It was hard for Andrew to pinpoint the exact time that he picked up painting as his new hobby. But after I scrolled all the way down to the bottom of his Instagram, I see that the first post was in 2017. But the work was really good, so it had to have been even earlier than that. So when do you remember picking it up kind of more seriously and kind of learning? I'd say that's a pretty good good year to, to say. I, I, I really kind of was like, okay, I'm going to start trying really hard. It was 2017. Um, that's when I like, I guess, committed to, to posting a little bit, like sharing. Uh, before that, like I said, it was just kind of all by myself in my in my room. Nobody really knew what was going on so much. Um, maybe like you know, a year or two years before that, I was like when I really first, first, first started trying. You know, like pulled out some paints that I had. My my mom was always like a sort of craft, not craft. I guess she's more than that, but copyist i guess is a good way to describe it. like she would always copy like old artworks just to like for decoration purposes in her house you know um so she was always kind of in that in that zone and you know it's probably why i was painting when i was like a little kid why it was like at all interesting to me um so i had some of those paints left over um 
with me and I just busted them out. Maybe I went and I bought some. I can't, I really can't remember. And, uh, you know, I just tried and it was kind of like, you know, I don't know, I, think I may have said this before, but it's like for me, like the, the valuable thing in, is it, in it is figuring it out. Solving the puzzle in a way is like the most interesting thing about it for me. And uh, once I start something like that, I just get kind of, I get really obsessed with it and I can't stop doing it. Yeah, it just became this like, you know, question equation that I had to kind of solve. You would think that music and painting would be in some way connected for Andrew, but he says that's not the case at all. It's actually the opposite. Oh, it's it's totally different. It lives in completely different worlds in my mind. And a lot of people will like bring it up, you know, because I guess it's, they're both art forms. And a lot of people would think that, oh, they must be correlated in some way or they feed into each other in some way. But, uh, you know, the, the process of creation is so different. And uh, the, the mentality that you're that you're in while you're creating is so different, where like, just because of the art form, right? Like when you're thinking about music, there's a time element that's so important to it that doesn't exist with art. You know, when you're when you're writing a piece of music, you're you're considering somebody committing 10 minutes of their life, sitting there and, and paying attention to it. Whereas when you're painting something, you know, I, I don't know, you're, you're not thinking so much about the, the, the end result of the painting. I mean, sometimes you are, I suppose. And, and even at the end of the, of the painting, you're not thinking like, oh, this person's going to spend 10 minutes looking at my painting. You know, they're going to spend five seconds at it, uh, you know, even if they go to a museum, what are the odds somebody's going to spend 10 minutes uh, observing a painting? Pretty low. So there, there's, a, there's a huge difference there in, in like what you're asking of the audience. With Andrew, music is so much more than getting his feelings out. It's also about the connection to the audience and how others will connect to the work. And while when it comes to painting, some artists might be more concerned with that, for Andrew, he's more interested in the process and the flow of painting versus what it will be in the end. The, the painting also is like something where, I, I don't know how interesting these insights are, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like micro detail things. But w when you're doing the painting, you're kind of, there's something new popping up all the time, at least the way that I paint, which is like kind of what they, what they would call an all prima style where you don't really go back layering too much. You know, you kind of try and get it all in one go. And, you know, of course, if you feel like you need to correct or do details later or something, you can, but pretty much everything's done in the first sitting. But music is so different, like writing a piece of music. I'm, I'm talking about like, you know, let's say like a piece for like a, a medium sized ensemble where there's like, I don't know, tw 12 instruments at least, let's say something like that. The detail of that is like so crazy where, you know, you're considering every kind of little note that's going in and, uh, you know, um, it's so difficult to, to describe how that process goes because you're, you're literally listening to the piece like over and over and over again, thousands and thousands and thousands of times in your head. It's, it's just different from uh, feeling like the, the painting is all happening in, in one, one instance there. I don't think about them in the same way. I guess is my answer. <laughs> so while he was working teaching music, life threw him a curveball. Like a lot of people, the pandemic made his teaching career business much less lucrative, as it was just too hard to get kids to sit still and pay attention on a Zoom class. So with all the free time that he had, he had to put it into something. And that something was painting. And then I, you know, I don't know, I did, after a while, I was, you know, doing okay, I guess, you know, I had a pretty, pretty good teaching business going on. And uh, I think it was probably around the, the quarantine where I really started to focus on painting, just because it, it became very, very difficult to, to teach at that point. 
you know, there were like a few instances where I was doing Zoom lessons and things like that, but it was it's very hard to to teach something physical when you're not physically there, um, like like playing piano. So a lot of students were dropping out just because it was like, you know, and a lot of kids, for instance, you can't teach a young kid over Zoom. It's just impossible. Um, One-on-one like that just does not work. And, you know, if you have to show them something tactically, you know, it also doesn't work. You know, it's so hard to like explain things to to a child sometimes that way. So a lot of them just dropped off. um, And I had a lot of extra free time on my hands. So I just ended up painting a lot almost every day. And so when you started to paint all the time, how were you focused on improving your uh, craft and learning? Uh, that's a, the worst answer. I can give you the worst answer. If it, if it hasn't been boring up until now, this is going to make it boring. Because uh, I literally just like practiced. <laughs> that was it. I didn't, uh, didn't follow anything. I didn't have any books. Uh, no videos, really. Uh, there was one I can like think of maybe... And it was not even an instructional video necessarily. It was just a video of watching somebody paint. But yeah, it was, it was more just like, you know, and it was that's how I was like, I don't know. I, I like the process of like figuring something out and kind of learning is so interesting to me that it was never like, uh, I don't know. I never felt like I was getting trapped because I wasn't so worried about what it looked like. Like, I think, you know, when you're starting out painting, you can get so caught up in like, oh, it looks awful. I'm doing terrible. And uh, for me, you know, the mentality that you should have rather is like, okay, this looks awful and terrible, but what, you know, what, are, what about it looks awful and terrible? And, you know, the next time you go through it, you can make those corrections or try and make those corrections and, you know, see, see how you can improve. And for me, that, that was like enough to like sustain me um, in, in learning. And I, I could keep going and I kept painting every day and working on it and just getting better. And I think, you know, being hypercritical of yourself you know, being aware that you're awful is is a positive in those in that time period in that moment. I, it was probably a while actually. Like I can remember a few paintings when I was first starting, and they were ter- they, they really were terrible. Like they were not good. You know, objectively not good. And for you know being an adult, you know, it, it was embarrassing. <laughs> you know, I mean, like if you if I had taken those to somebody and said, "Hey, look, I'm going to be an artist," it would have been ridiculous. They would have laughed at me uh, because of how bad they were. But you know, you, you do get better the more you do something. Practice does work out and eventually it comes around and you, and, you, and you start to figure things out. And before he even knew it, he was growing quite a large following on Instagram of people who loved his art. As of August 2023, his Instagram currently sits at 618,000 followers. With his page growing so fast, it didn't take long for collectors to come knocking on his door. I think, uh, okay, so like uh, at that point, um, I had already been committing to like the sort of painting every day thing so i don't know that there was like more effort on my part necessarily i, I did notice that there was like a lot of a lot more traction happening obviously and like social media and stuff like that there, there was one painting that i had that i felt at the time was like oh this is such a huge success like people really like this and uh you know a lot of people are seeing it but uh you know it, it felt like a, a huge thing you know and i got i don't know probably like 10,000 followers, I would say at that point. And I was like, oh man, that's crazy. You know, I can't imagine that. That's so huge. And uh, at that point, I think I started to, I don't know, see that there was like interest from other people. As the interest grew, he created a website just for his art. Looking back, Andrew can't remember selling any originals before he started selling prints, but it's very possible that he did. Either way, 
Andrew got himself a printer and started to make affordable prints right from his home as he knew he wanted to make sure the work was great quality and accessible. And how did it feel when, when people started buying them? Oh, it's cool. And, and you know, because at that time, it was, I already kind of gotten some reasonable traction. Like I was very, very late to the, to the game. I think, you know, most people would have been there much earlier than I was. Yeah. So there was already, you know, a significant or, you know, a reasonable amount of people who were like interested in perhaps buying a print or a painting or something like that. So it was a pretty, you know, fun kind of experience opening the store and then it became stressful and uh you know because i was doing everything myself there are moments you know i advertise zero it's another thing that's hard for me to do like for me to get on and say like hey buy this <laughs> it's like impossible for me so i try and keep you know the orders down to you know pretty reasonable numbers yeah but there's a there are a few times where like you know let's say you get like some really big hit or something like that and oh it becomes horrible because you know, like talking like before, you know, not only are you making the painting, not only are you editing the video, you're spending like five hours a day, you know, printing everything, getting everything packaged and shipped out. It's like, that's crazy. Before long, his music had hopped into the back seat, and his paintings were doing the driving. The way it works as a composer, though, is you sort of license out your compositions and others can then perform them as they wish, which still happens with some of his works today. Do you ever have any goals or, or dreams still within the music world? You know, I, I still have like ideas. And I still experiment around a little bit, but uh, it's, not, uh, it's not on my mind too much. I'm not, you know, if it ever were, I would, I would explore it. But uh, I'm not too like, too uh, bent out of shape thinking I need to, you know, act on being a musician right now or, or, or a composer. Um, and there are, there are still like, you know, performances that happen every once in a while of my pieces. Um, you know, that's, that's sort of like an advantage of being a, a composer where like, you know, you don't need to do anything. They're, they already exist and people will kind of get them when they want. So where exactly do you list these compositions? Do you have like a website for them or anything? Nah, they're gone. They're gone. It used to be, it used to be my, my whole online presence was music and now I just completely erased it. Um, <laughs> it's probably stupid, but whatever. Um, I, I had a uh, piece that was pretty popular. I, I didn't like it. <laughs> and uh, it was uh, kind of, I don't know. It, yeah, I don't know. And it, may, it still gets played. And it's probably going to be played pretty soon, I think. It became this thing where I realized, oh, you know, I don't really like any of this stuff. So let's get rid of it. <laughs> I think it was one thing that we've learned so far in 23 episodes of this podcast is the fact that we really have no idea where life will take us. You know, there's that one saying, man plans, God laughs. Not only does life throw us curveballs, but we at any moment can find some new interest or ambition that will take us off in the opposite direction. Andrew still teaches music to a few students as he's had them as students for so long that he can't just drop them at this point. But Andrew is firmly set on his painting career. So now that we've heard Andrew's story, I think it's safe to say that His success is due to a mix of a couple factors. One is luck, two is hard work, and three is following your gut, doing what you feel is important. What's your goal in in life now? I don't really know. I I don't, uh, I'm not sure I think too much. I goal, I'm not super goal oriented, I guess, as as a person. Like, I I could say like, you know, I have a dream of like, I think, and I probably share this with so many other artists and just creatives in general where it's like, 
the dream would really be to not worry about anything, have everything settled for you and just be able to to work on your on your craft, right? Make the paintings. That would be like a, a utopian dream for me where I don't know. I win the lottery would be incredible, honestly. That would be the dream. That's my goal is to win the lottery and uh just do nothing but paint. Um but no I I, I you know just get better. Keep keep painting. I, I and I don't really have a uh there's no pinnacle that I can see. But you're fully set on being an artist at this time, painter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't see anything else. And it would be hard for me. I couldn't stop. It would not be possible for me to stop. Thank you for finishing yet another episode. If you enjoyed this podcast at all, please go and rate us or review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and tell all your friends and family about the show. If you want extra bonus episodes each month, go on over go on over to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash myartisreal and sign up for only $3 a month. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode. <laughs>